it's like an immigrant thing in the household where a lot of things can go unspoken and a lot of things and a lot of affection and love is like shown through action so it was also the only way i could show affection to someone who literally did not know who i was and constantly thought it was some stranger you're listening to stories of the vietnamese boat people Hi, I'm Tracy Nguyen Meng, and welcome back. Welcome to the fourth annual Mavic Story Slam. This is a Vietnamese boat people signature event where we invite the community to submit stories about their families and their experiences. This year's signature event, which aired live in May, is part of our month-long celebration of Asian Pacific American Heritage Month here in the United States. Back in February 2023, we launched an open call for submissions and asked the community to submit a video, three minutes or less, that explores the theme of Ba Mẹ Ơi, which loosely translates to Dear Dad, Mom. We wanted to hear stories about people's mom, dad, or someone they considered to be a parent figure. This was the first year we invited an international audience to submit their stories, and we were thrilled to receive stories from all over. Five incredible storytellers were chosen to be featured in this year's event. Hi, my name is Cindy Trung, and I'm currently calling in from Connecticut right now. Hi, I'm Nicole. I am calling in from Sydney, Australia. What's good, everybody? My name is Jeff Vu. Call me G. I'm repping Seattle and Oakland, California today, and I'm also traveling the world, calling in from Inverness, Scotland. Hello, my name is Nessa, and I'm calling in from Brooklyn, New York, where I'm also born and raised. Hi, everyone. I'm Kim Tai. I'm calling in from upstate New York in the Western Catskills, and I'm so excited to be here today. Thanks for having me. I also had two special guests for the evening. My co-host Jackie Nguyen, owner of Cafe Cafe in Kansas City. Hi everyone. I'm so so honored uh, to be part of this, um, especially being on the selection committee. It was an incredible honor to see so many stories. Um, I'm actually dialing in from Kansas City. And Bao Nguyen, filmmaker and director of Be Water, a Bruce Lee documentary. You know, thank you again, Tracy, for inviting me to be part of this panel. Uh, you know, every submission that I saw was really was absolutely you know heartfelt, inspiring, and it really I thought showcased the multitude of all of our stories and experiences that you know the Vietnamese community has to offer. Both were on this year's selection committee, along with Maggie Q, actress and founder of Keep Up, Tai Nguyen fashion designer and host of Netflix show Say I Do, and Lee Jung, author of the critically acclaimed memoir, House of Sticks. This episode features highlights of the 2023 Mi Vick Story Slam. Take a listen. So we're going to go ahead and start the show. The first story that we're going to share is from Cindy. Cindy, do you want to tell us um, the title of your piece and a little bit about it? Oh um, yeah, so my piece is called Introducing Myself as You. And um, like from the title, the whole 
piece is about um like the idea started for me going to like the doctors or accompanying my parents and my mom to her appointments and having to translate for her so this idea of interpretation and being like the person next to my mom um so yeah i hope you guys enjoyed the the video and my story i know your immigrant face carved from your refugee face, eroded by noxious fumes of acetone. There is undying hope in both, undying not the same as living. Living implies a death, undying a refusal of death. Like this, your refugee face never left. In Buddhism, it's believed every living being is a sentient one. That is why I cried when you caught the stray rat in my room and beat it with a ladle. This was the exact life you were trying to avoid. One where I was born seven years earlier, and we were seven years poorer, seven years hungrier, rats snipping at our toes. Because to survive means to be cruel. That is why I cried when I smacked a mosquito and pulled my hand away, its wings still twitching. You wiped my tears, pressed my blood-smeared palms together, and told me to repeat after you. Namo Ayirafa. And through my hiccuped breaths, I prayed with you. I'm haunted by the life you had before me, even more than the one I will have after you. You show me an old photo spent at the refugee camp, posed in front of the cafeteria menu. You're smiling, and like this, I recognize your female face. It is eerily similar to mine. But this other face, 24, pre-America, I do not know it. The other day, the banker wouldn't let me interpret for you. I hated the interpreter they brought out. Their sophisticated vocabulary, words I can never know because the Vietnamese you gave me only reaches seventh grade. I swore to myself then to never be tongueless when you needed me. Customer service would be confused at the little girl calling about insurance bills. They'd coo at me before demanding to speak to you. What they don't know is that there's no one who knows you better than me, that they only need to hear my voice, and therefore yours. Introducing myself as you has become more familiar than my own name. May I? You ask me why I write. You've told me once that a mother's life stops being her own the moment she births a child. But don't you know that your life is just as much as mine? May I? How can I tell you your years and efforts to ensure I could live before I was born has come to this? How can I tell you I write as a means to prevent our extinction? I'm writing as a testament to our undying history. I'm writing from a face that is like your own. That's to say, I'm writing to you as your daughter. Cindy, that was so beautiful. And actually, I just um, got a text message from a team member said that she's crying watching this. So so I'm going to share a comment from Tai Nguyen, who was one of our selection committee. He said, um, there are many stories about our mothers, but this one is memorable to me. I love the casual and authenticity of this mother and daughter relationship through their daily life with so much love and joy. And it especially resonated more with me the way they live practicing Buddhism. 
Um, so I wanted to kind of go back to Bao's question earlier is whether or not you've shared this beautiful poetic piece, this letter that you've written to your mom, have you shared it with her? Yeah, so I read this um, at my high school graduation and um, it's kind of funny because at the time I prefaced it, I said, you know, like to my family, it's really ironic that I would go into writing because um, they're not like literature lovers or anything. And they were always like, this feels really unexpected. And then also to them, it's, and to me, because anything that I write or I put out there, um, it's like they they can read it, but it's not like they'll understand. I mean, I write in English, so it's not like they'll understand all the nuances of everything. And even when I explain it to them, right, they're not, it, it's like different explaining versus reading it. Um, so uh, when I was, you know, reading it at my graduation, I was saying, yeah, um, I was telling um, about that. And I was like, that's funny because I'm reading this and they're probably not going to understand it completely. And then after I read it and then everyone was like, well, like kind of also touched. And then I, I went back to my seat and my mom was like, wow, like, that was so good. What was it about? <laughs> I was like, that's so funny. <laughs> so um, they've heard it before and they know that, you know, I'm, I'm here. Like mom's like on the other side of me right now. But oh, yeah. Hey, can she come on camera? I think she's shy. Oh, <laughs> hi, mom. She's waving, yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, that's beautiful, Cindy. And I, I love that. Um, it's something that she heard you read at your graduation, because that graduation itself is such a special moment. Um, but then to, to listen to this piece that you've written about her. Um, you also, in your submission, you had said that you're studying creative writing in college right now, and that you aspire to become a published author at some point. Um, what types of book do you hope to write? Um, probably a poetry book or collection at some point in the future. Um, poetry is my favorite genre, so that's the goal. <laughs> well, we can't wait to one day see it on the bookshelves, and um, I'm sure it's going to be just as beautiful as your video. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you so much. <laughs> so we're going to move on to the next story. Um, Jackie, who's up? Um, we have Nicole Ngo up. So can you, Nicole, can you just tell us a little bit about your piece? Tell us the name of it and what inspired you? So mine's also, I guess, a letter to my mother. Um, interestingly enough, she has not seen it. <laughs> um, and I don't know if I'll show her, but it <clears throat> explores, I guess, the way that the daughter usually embodies the traits of her mother that she grows up almost despising. Um, one day she realizes that everything she sees in her mother, she sees in herself as well. And it's a whole process of unlearning things, but also realizing that your mother is someone that is also was a child, was a teenager, was someone growing up and figuring herself out. So the process of figuring yourself out alongside your mother is what my piece is about. Your mother yelled at you most days growing up. If you understand now, it was a way for her to feel like a person. If anything, now you yearned for her forgiveness of you, of everything you imposed, of everything you inflicted. Maybe you really were just being a child. Maybe it's just what children do. But intentional or not, 
She who is just as little of a girl as you. She who has the heart of a million petals and rays of sun. She who would do anything to show love just for the chance to feel loved back. She was hurt. When you freed yourself from the necessity of such yelling as evidence of a relationship with your mother, as evidence of mutual care, an instrument of love, you realised it wasn't her. It was everything. In fact, it was you. And so you travelled, maybe as an escape, maybe just to remove yourself from the idea that you were a bad daughter. You realised this is all she ever wanted to do. She wanted to see the world just as much as you. She wanted to feel small in the massiveness of everything before her. She wanted to see the beauty before obligation became essential to her being. Perhaps freed is the wrong word, because, to be honest, you often miss the raising of her voice as a disguise for the words, I love you, Nicole. You missed how hopeless you felt when you made her cry. Not because you missed making her cry or feeling hopeless, but because after she did, and after you would, cry, that is, she would cut you fruit in small cubes. Apple, mango, nectarine, golden peach. Because after she cried and after you cried, she would cook for hours and you'd receive a text message saying, Dinner is ready, Nicole. Your favourites. Proceeded by a list of what you truly craved that day. The foods that alleviated the stubborn, stagnant, chaotic, disgusting blanket of dust and dirt and all things bad you collected from a day of trying to figure yourself out and making a big deal out of it. You didn't know why she couldn't say sorry. You didn't know why she couldn't accept her own fault. You didn't see that she was just scared that you'd see her as she saw herself. You didn't see that she lived in fear of becoming someone you would stop depending on. You didn't know why until you became exactly that. Now you fall in love and leave. Now you yell and cry and inflict pain and expect immunity. Now you cut fruit for those you love. Now you spend your Sundays collecting trinkets and pieces and remnants of your joyous moments to share with the ones you've carved space for in your life. The ones that pull at your heartstrings the way you do to your mother. Now you cry relentlessly when you feel like you are not enough. When all you want is all you can't say. When all you desire is everything you've learnt to require less of. You decide, one evening as your mother makes you tea in the kitchen of your childhood home, that you understand the idea of love without condition because of her. Sit down, I'll do it, you say to her, and you decide, again, this evening, that it is your turn to cut fruit in small cubes until your mother consumes all the apples and peaches and nectarines and mangoes in the world. Oh my gosh, um, that was so beautiful. Um, I do have a, a question for you, Nicole, because this really resonated with me personally. I have a very close and but very complex um, relationship with my mom. I'm the only girl in my family and I have four older brothers, but um, what did you learn about yourself while you were constructing this piece together? Because, you know, I know you have to take time to edit and everything as you finish the piece. Was there anything that really resonated with you just about your personal journey? Yeah, um, I think every single time I interact with my mom, I have the realization again that there is so much to her I never knew. Um, and she becomes more of a fully fledged human as time goes on which makes us closer and closer um but I realized in creating this that some things for me personally I won't have the conversation with her about at least for a while because I think in caring about her kind of healing herself she doesn't need to know that 
I felt these things about our relationship. Um, I think understanding that there might be a lack of understanding was something that I had to grasp for a while. Um, maybe cultural differences, maybe generational differences. But I think that, yeah, in accepting that there is that gap has made us closer as well because we can oversee that and we can focus on the things that actually matter in our relationship. Wow, I resonate with that so much. Yeah. The unspokenness too. There's so many things I will never talk to my mom about either, but that's just how it is sometimes, you know? So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. So next up we have Jeff Fu, um, who also goes by G. Jeff, do you want to go ahead and introduce your piece? Um, just want to say, I want to shout out to me and Cole. Wow. Um, yeah, who knew we all had so much in common? Blow my mind. Um, this is a little piece I made. It's called Tell Me. Um, and I think that it's a piece about reconciliation, uh, reconciling uh, and making sense of parents who gave you everything um, except for maybe the exact thing that you needed. You crossed an ocean for my existence, and then you created one between us. And it's not that you didn't love me. I guess I've had to realize it's just not how I needed to feel loved. A selfish tragedy of circumstance in which my harmonizing self thinks no one is at fault. So I write to the chasm between us. I know you did the best you could, but it just wasn't enough. You missed spectacularly and your hard work hollowed me. And what we got was a little boy who knew he should be important, but couldn't understand why he wasn't. I needed you to ask me a question so that I could answer and show you I was alive. And in its absence, it's not that I was dead, but rather that I was insignificant. And I think that hurts more because in death, your heart stops, but in insignificance, your heart just beats to no rhythm other than the infinitely insignificant ticks of time. Tell me what you think about. Tell me how you learned it. Tell me about a challenge you overcame. Tell me about something you're proud of. Tell me something you're good at. Tell me something you want in a friend. Tell me something you want to be better at. Tell me something that scares you. Tell me how you need to be loved. Tell me. All of these pieces are so beautiful. Um, and actually the quote that I captured from when the committee was reviewing this happens to be Bows. <laughs> I feel like I keep putting him on the spot. But um, what he wrote next to your piece was utterly heartbreaking, achieves something very hard to do deeply personal and specific, but also is universally resonant. Imagery is breathtaking, showing scale and emotions very well. So that those are comments from another filmmaker. So I don't know, Bao, if you want to add to that. The piece speaks for itself. So um, it's nice to put an, you know, a name to the, to the work. So again, congratulations, Jeff, on, again, like being so vulnerable and 
I see like in a lot of the comments that it's it's all the pieces people see themselves in and like the feeling of not being alone and making something that can make people feel like across the world the same story the same experience the same perspective of a total stranger is really powerful so yeah i really loved it too i loved all the stories um this one spoke to me in a different way because it it talked about the distance that you feel in your relationship with your parents and i think a lot of us can resonate to that and there's so many reasons for that distance right culturally language barrier just um the way we view the world and life is so different sometimes from how our parents view it um, in your submission, you had mentioned that you had been a teacher for over a decade, and now you're traveling the world. Um, you're really using this time to capture stories, understand communities, create narratives. Um, and I feel like just watching your piece, I feel like I'm going on that journey with you <laughs> in some way. So can you tell us you know, how your travels have been and whether or not it's changed or influenced your relationship with your parents being far away? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I'm actually, um, I was formerly an educator in Oakland, California. I was a teacher and a school principal for over a decade um, at a middle school here um, called Roots. I'm shouting them out. Um, and I'm in my 19th month of travel. I think. Uh, a lot of my life has been about pursuing and understanding identity. And after a lot of the work that I did, I, I assumed this new identity as an educator. And once that was over, I had nothing. Um, I worked really hard. I was really proud of it, but I, I was an educator. I was a teacher. And now, like, who am I? And I think um, a lot of the travel has been exploring that, has been exploring being solo, has been exploring solitude. And you know, I don't know how if we all feel this way, but even being born in America, never feeling like an American or or wherever we're from. And so I think being a, a citizen of the world, as they say, has made me feel um, in, in all its humanness um, much more connected. And in that, I find more empathy and love for my family and accepting that uh, I they can they can be perfect in every way. And I can still need healing um, and that it doesn't have to be personal. So I don't know if that explains all of it, but there's some, there's some grace there, I believe. Yeah. And has this been a piece that you've shared with your mom and dad at all? Absolutely not. <laughs> what do you think would happen if you did? Um, I, I think they would be receptive. I, I do think my, my mom and dad would, would, take it openly. This all happened so quickly. It was a practice that someone recommended. Um, visualize yourself having a conversation with your childhood self, the one that you needed. This happened like two weeks before this submission. And uh, so with that, I felt like I, I, I was working on my piece. Uh, and the recommendation was to write to the chasm. Um, so I felt like I needed to address that first. And, and we'll get around to family my little sister's here and I'm really grateful for that uh and I think you know together we'll get there I believe it's going to happen oh I think that it's going to be well received as well thank you so much for sharing and I just want to say one quick thing is that thank you so much for being an educator 
It's one of the most underrated jobs, but one of the most important professions out there. So I want to thank you um, for all the time you spent teaching our children. Um, so Jackie, I'm going to hand it over to you for our next story. Yes. Next is Nessa Wing. Um, go ahead and please introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your piece. I'm so excited. <laughs> Hi, my name is Nessa, and my piece is titled Angjongibawai, which is Vietnamese for Eat Together with Grandma. And it's about my grandmother having Alzheimer's and slowly forgetting who I am and how I coped with that and how I learned to cook Vietnamese food specifically to be her caretaker, to keep her alive, both physically and spiritually, too. Like many other families, my Bo Ai was the one to watch and raise me growing up while my parents were working all day. She passed away around this time four years ago, and nothing has been the same since. She was my main caretaker and the one to teach me how to speak Vietnamese, the only person I ever felt comfortable speaking with, actually. I always thought how it was interesting that we were both fluent in our respective languages, her in Vietnamese and me in English, and yet we were still able to understand each other. There isn't a word in English that accurately translates the meaning of con. It loosely translates to, my child, my child, why are you misbehaving? She would say in tears. My child, please come home early. I have fresh cooked rice from you. Despite the language gap, there was the language of shared communal eating that we both spoke to understand each other. The dish I'm making right now is called gan kwai tay karot and is the dish that she would always make for me growing up. It's quite easy to make. It's pork rib soup with carrots and potatoes. Since I was a very picky eater as a child, it became no question that this dish would be served quite often since it was so simple. One weekend, I was visiting home from college and she woke me up at 3 a.m. with a fresh made pot of gan thinking it was dinner time. Not too long after that incident, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. She slowly started to forget the hours of the day to eat and bathe her way around the neighborhood, and eventually, me. Being the person that raised me and taught me Vietnamese, not only was I losing a mother figure, but also myself. Handling the situation to the best of my family's abilities, I was forced into the role of caretaker during one of my college summer breaks I decided that I would learn how to cook Vietnamese food in an attempt to keep my grandma alive, both physically and spiritually. When her Alzheimer's got worse, she forgot me. I had short hair at the time, so she thought I was some random boy in her house, but I started to explain that I was her best friend and that I hadn't visited in a long time. It took a little warming up, but she finally lit up and frantically searched the kitchen for utensils and ingredients to cook with. To no avail, since we had child-proofed the stove for her own safety. She then called my name out loud, Da, Dai, to come and cook so I can cook for the stranger, myself. She remembered me and didn't remember me. There were many moments like this that would drive me to tears in front of her, and then she would always ask if it was her own behavior that drove a random stranger to tears. She knew and she didn't know at the same time. It's funny, now I was the one cooking gun for a child. My la'aya, don ne la who are you? What is this dish? My grandma asked me as I handed her a fresh bowl of gun. Stifling tears back, I managed to choke out. Don't you know? I'm your best friend, and this is your favorite dish. I'm speechless sometimes. It's like I've watched that so many times, and yet 
Uh, so I guess I just want to make a comment is that, you know, the role reversal, we've, uh, I'm sure a lot of us have experienced having to be the translator, be the parent, be, um, you know, that that's very specific in us becoming caretakers for our parents, um, especially, you know, language barriers and things like that. Emotionally, how were you able to cope? Like, how did you, um, you know, I, I know that you said that you loved your grandma um, so much. And like, during that very hard time, did you just use cooking? Were there other things that you did for yourself to bond you to your family or your identity? I think cooking was the very thing that did bond me to my identity. Um, and uh, I, I mentioned in the video that she's the one who taught me how to speak Vietnamese. So I felt the most comfortable speaking Vietnamese to her. And in like a sick, twisted way, I was cooking Vietnamese food and like speaking Vietnamese to her. And I was like, had this really dark thought. I'm like, wow, this is going to be like the last time I ever feel comfortable speaking like the mother tongue to someone like my someone so close to my blood. Um, but I also want to say I, it's like an immigrant thing in the household where a lot of things can go unspoken and a lot of things and a lot of affection and love is just like shown through action. So it was also the only way I could show affection to someone who literally did not know who I was and constantly thought I was some stranger. Um, no, I really loved it too. And I love, um, I love hearing the, the voice and following the cooking because, you know, we communicate with food, I think in our culture a lot. Um, and so for me, it was like such a beautiful way to kind of follow the narrative. So our last, but of course not least, is Kim. Kim, do you want to tell us a little bit about your piece? Yeah, I, um, I'm i just really speechless after watching everyone else's, so just wanted to say that. This piece is called Namesake. It's uh, uh, a poem I wrote about my mom. Um, you know, growing up, I heard so much about, so much and so little about what she went through during the war. And I really wanted to pay homage and honor her suffering and healing since that time. And so this is a dedication to her. And I think she and my dad figured out Zoom. So they're in, they're in the building <laughs> somewhere in the, in the cyber universe. So shout out to, to Matt. So I often wonder what it was like those two years when my mother's body almost gave out. I often wonder what she would be like if she hadn't gone through all that. If she hadn't starved, bled, ached, screamed. Would her body be this weak, 50 years later, running on empty torment and trauma? Memories now living in her gut, scathed and full of bile now tortured from a single grain of rice. No one knows the diagnosis of irony. I often wonder if my sister and I have done enough to justify the pain that she lives with. After all these years, now trapped in the land of the free in her own body, gutted since that day when she watched Saigon burn to the ground, when they took my father away leaving her with nothing more than a newborn baby and the faith that she would live out her namesake, Fulong. 
a phoenix rising from the ashes of our country somehow still here. Two and a half years, 913 days, 22,000 hours of blood, guts, and no glory. Emerged, reborn, into her suffering, swallowed, but still not fully transformed. So we wait and eat as my mom, Maya, is born again and again, every day, every moment, in her, in my sister, and in me. So I love the photos um, that you were able to include in the story of um, some of your mom and then some of just, I think it was to represent sort of those periods in time as you're telling your mom's story. Um, I know that you are also a producer and a content creator. Was this a piece that you had done in the past and, um, or was it something that you did for the story slam? I did it just for the story slam. Yeah. Well, because it was very cinematic and that's why I asked because um, for me, I wanted to ask you sort of like when you were creating it and you were sharing the story about your mom's past, what were you hoping for viewers to walk away with? I think I was hoping for viewers to get a little glimpse of who she was and what I know of her, right? That was my hope of of sharing it. Yeah, because the photos for me, I loved it because it was almost like watching um, a a footage of like my own mother. Um, what is your like relationship with your mom in terms of her sharing these stories of the past? Like, does she openly talk about it with you? I mean, I think growing up, um, you know, she would share bit by bit, you know, here and there, usually whenever it was like, I was in trouble or something. And she'd be like, do you know what I went through <laughs> so for you to do that? Um, but you know, I had the opportunity um, for a college project to sit down with her and really hear it from beginning to end. And I think I'm so grateful for that time because I I never put it together in a linear narrative sense and heard it from beginning to end. And I think I'm just still really astounded to this day, like of what she endured and my dad endured and that I'm their kid, you know, so that's that's where I feel grateful for that. I was like crying while I was editing this thing. Like, it's just like, it's a lot, of, it's very emotional. It's a very different sort of process. And um, you can't really uh, rush through it, like in a sort of deadline driven way that you can with other, with other projects. So um, I just was really trying to tend to that and still be as open to the process as much as I could. You can view all the videos of the featured stories in the full replay of the live event on our website. Visit www.vietnameseboatpeople.org forward slash story slam 23. And a huge thank you to our 2023 story supporters. This year's platinum sponsor was Keep Up, founded and owned by actress Maggie Q. Keep Up is a premier activewear line for the eco-warrior woman. Made entirely of recycled fibers, Keep Up takes a stand for the planet without sacrificing style or performance. And to our gold sponsors, Vietnamese-owned businesses, Viet Five Coffee, 
Key to Teas, Red Boat Fish Sauce. Hello to Zhao, Quillhawk Publishing, Traveling Calligrapher, Gahana Press, and Media Vines. For more details on this episode and to check out the products by our event sponsors, visit our Instagram page at Vietnamese Boat People and look for details under Mavic Story Slam. If you would like to learn more about your family's diaspora story, check out our conversation kit at www.vietnameseboatpeople.org forward slash share. It's a deck of cards with questions in both English and Vietnamese to help you start the conversation. You can also check out our website for more stories and resources on how you can participate and share your story. I'm Tracy Nguyen Meng, and thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show and want to support our mission, please consider making a tax-deductible donation on our website. Your support helps independent shows like ours continue to amplify stories from our community. And please take a moment to rate us and provide us feedback wherever you listen to the podcast.